everybody. I'm Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet, about to be joined by Ken Weeb from Sportsnet. Together we are Kenny and Rennie, and this is the Kenny and Rennie post-game show. 2.0 for game 82 of the season, the Jets' last game. Uh, boy, turd, turd Ferguson absolutely nails this. I've gone through all your comments. There were so many good comments, so much stuff we were going to build off of, and Turd Ferguson nails it here. All our good comments were lost in the ether forever on the ill-fated first video link. He could not be more right on that. I have no idea what happened, uh, only that maybe uh, our program software is uh, sicker than I am at this moment. Still in the, and I can make it official, I'm in COVID protocol, ladies and gentlemen. Fought it off for a couple of years. And then when you started seeing those uh, news stories about not having COVID by this point meant you probably didn't have any friends. I set, set out to make sure that I got COVID right after that because uh, I can't have that kind of reputation as a guy who's got no friends out there. But um, let's get into it here. We're not going to spend too much time on the game because there's so much more interesting stuff to talk about. Clearly, you know, this is garbage time. Those these me these wins i mean i'm sure that felt good for the fans in the building another comeback this is typically one of those games that i would just absolutely hate these games where the jets come out throw up a little bit of effort turn it off get run run up in the game and then just pour it on at the end of the game and beat an inferior team with a comeback these are the kind of games the processes that i do not like this jets team to play I, it doesn't matter none of these games mattered uh it was a great job to send the, the jets fans off with some positivity with some cheering to be done with some happiness but i think more importantly it was it was a good job by them to send off our good friend dennis uh with on his last broadcast um with his ability to say not only bang bang but bang 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 um it was it was a good moment uh i'm glad the players were able to play it off to pull it off i'm glad they were able to find that moment um, I don't have much more else to, to, or I don't have much else to say about that game. Uh, again, I think it's meaningless. Do I think the four games in a row, I think it's the first time since October, the Jets were able to pull that off means anything. I don't really, uh, to quickly get through this, uh, years like 2016, 2017, the Jets had some really good pushes towards the end of the season, um, that, uh, that, that they said, you know, were they were able to build on. I don't see this as that like, yeah, we've got four games here but if you take a look at some of those four games you know meaningless absolutely meaningless for a lot of the players who were in there including the one today i don't think there was a lot i don't think the seattle kraken are going and hanging their head after blowing that loss um this is this is uh you know i think what the jets did in these last four games has just as much an impact on the next season as what they did in the previous four games when they were getting absolutely worked by teams and the the process wasn't okay blake wheeler talked about it slightly and how the team felt about that yeah they were able to turn things around but there's a lot that this team is gonna have to go through in this offseason uh, to get to where they want to go. And I do think that the, what happened these last four games is entirely going to be lost in the wash. Um, and, you know, a lot of the comments in the post game uh, speak to that. So let's get to Ken Weave. Let's bring him in, man, with the best music in the business uh, and uh, get his take on the game quick before we launch into the more important stuff about the offseason stuff. Lots, lots, lots to talk about and some bombshells, some grenades. Uh, Mark Shifley borrowing some of Sean Reynolds' grenades to toss out in the post game. So let's get to it first with our main man, Kenny. Here he comes.
Kenny, good to see you, my friend. Let's launch right into it. I know you're busy. I know you're going to go ahead with Dennis <laughs> for supper after this. So let's get through this because there's a lot to get through. What do you think of the game? Well, uh, empty calorie game. Uh, looked like there was a lot of disinterest, especially in the second period. Uh, Jets found their legs a bit in the third. But uh, overall, as you mentioned, I mean, if all 82 games were like this for the Winnipeg Jets, they would be easy games. High ability to get up, up the ice, up and down, not a lot of checking. Um, but other than that, I mean, yeah, like you said, I mean, so uh, milestone again. This this tells you all you need to know about Nikolai Ehlers and Paul Stastny said it at the podium. Nikolai Ehlers is two goals away from thirty, including needing twenty nine to tie a career high, and he spent the last three games trying to get Paul Stastny his eight yeah. hundredth NHL point. And yeah. as soon as the puck went in the net on the Blake Wheeler slapper, Nikolai Ehlers was almost at the back of the net fishing it out by the time it went over the glove of Chris Drieger. Uh, so again, very unselfish act. I know our buddy Hustler will be disappointed, and uh, I'm going to have to. It feels like I put the hex on Ehlers saying that he was going to collect his uh, cool bet for hitting 29 goals, and then lo and behold, he rattles the slapper off the crossbar. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> the hustler's just sitting there holding that ticket thinking, yes, oh! And that was one of them where you wondered if the buzzer might go for hitting the middle bar and not the crossbar. But anyway, I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, the Jets, this four-game winning streak, it really has nothing to do with how the Jets will start next year. Um, but at the same time, I mean, the options are winning or losing. <laughs> so, I mean, Blake Wheeler said it. I mean, he expected the Jets to play hard till the end. That's what they did. Was this the template they're going to need to use if they want to win hockey games in the fall of 2022? Absolutely not. Uh, but at the same time, you know, the season ends mercifully, and now the real now the real stuff happens, and uh, some of the real stuff has already started to happen at the podium. Well, let's get straight away to that. Um, like I'd said, grenades. You know what? I'm going to go beyond grenades. I throw grenades into the conversation. Mark Shifley drops bombs, atomic bombs. That's the way I heard it now. It was a little more subtle than an atomic bomb. But is there any other way to read Mark Shifley's comments and responses to, I believe, your question in the postgame, Ken? Then uh, a concern if you're a Jets fan who wants Mark Shifley to return to the Winnipeg Jets next year. Well, again, first and foremost, uh, we've said this a few times this year already. Uh, love the honesty. Um, uh, after the sort of the conversation was the original question was asked by uh, Scott Billick about the trade rumors, uh, but I needed the follow up there after another question was asked, and my follow up question was simple: What do you need to hear in the exit interviews? And here is the verbatim answer. I just have to know. I just have to understand where this team is going. I'm in the prime of my career. I still have so much to improve on too, and I like where my game is at. I like the physical nature that my body is at. I'm not only improving, I'm only getting better, and I'm only going to be a better player next year than I was this year. I just have to know where this team is going and what direction is is going and what the changes are going to be if any i have to think about my career and what's going to be best for me those are going to be ellipse talks with my agents and everyone in my family and stuff like that and figure out what i really want to do so it will be a tough talk tomorrow so yeah i mean if you're a jets fan uh, was that something that you wanted to hear absolutely not uh does that mean he's out the door no but that means Mark Shifley is looking for specific answers from Kevin Dayoff, from Dave Lowry potentially, about where this team is going. And I think he's looking for some very specific answers. Um, 
for me, I mean, is this one of those situations where you can't fire me or in this case, trade me? I want to be traded. This is like a you can't fire me, I quit scenario. Um, could it be? Sure. But again, there's two two years of team control left on this current contract. But uh, um, Mark Shifley definitely uh, was not sounding like a guy who is necessarily a, a lock to be in the lineup but in October. That's for sure. That's the last time I send you my comments before the game. You stole my line, and a great line it was. I do think that there may be a little bit of this. Mark Shelton moved out. Did you use that in the text message? I'm sorry. Line in the chat. You said you disagreed with me, so I thought it was a safe line. Oh my God! Sorry. (laughs) I had I had basically said I read this a number. No, no, that okay. Well, one of the one of the ways I think that I would read this is potentially Mark Shifley hears what's being said about him out there. He hears the potential. You know what? Maybe there's even been a conversation uh, with his agent. But I think Mark, one of the things Mark Shifley says here is this could be one of these like breakup type scenarios where it's like, well, they didn't break up with me. I broke up with them. Mark Shifley is the first one to go on record here to put forth. I mean, we've never heard this before. We've never heard that Mark Shifley is is not anything but a thousand percent on board with the Winnipeg Jets. Um, I'm with you. Like Mark Shifley has now said he is going to go into this and he needs somewhat, he needs to be convinced on why he should stay in Winnipeg. I mean, I don't know how you read it any other way other than that. What, what are you going to do here in Winnipeg to make it so that this is the place I want to have my future. He didn't say my future is in Winnipeg and we're going to figure this out. It was the opposite. It's like something needs to happen here. But one of the things I appreciated about it, Ken is, and and I have to say, I'm, I'm, I think it's good that it's on record because it just started feeling like more and more and more down the stretch here, especially after these last four games, the conversation just started turning to let's not blow up something. You know, I mean, Dennis said it at the end of the game. There's lots going, you know, there's lots of good people in this room and lots, all that kind of stuff. And I'm not arguing with that. I'm not arguing with the fact that the Jets don't have great pieces, but I do think that if you went into this off season and this is one of these off seasons where everyone says, you know, we just had a bad year. We're going to come back better. Then you're, you're risking now five straight years of not really mixing anything up and and not really trying to identify why this team keeps falling so far short, short of its goals. And so again, going back to last, last uh, conversation that we had, I'm not advocating for panic, but I'm not advocate advocating for, let's just go with what we had here and we're the Calgary flames and we're just going to keep doing what we did. You know, Blake Wheeler said it, and I think he was right to say it. They should be looked at now as a team. They shouldn't be looked at as a team that is like stepping up to win the Stanley Cup. They should be looked at as a team that is fighting for their playoff lives going forward. And that is how they should be viewed. And what they do in the offseason should be viewed that way. And the one thing that I think that happened here with Mark Shifley doing that is Mark Shifley outright said he needs to be convinced about Winnipeg. And if he needs to be convinced, then the GM or the owner or you know coaches or whoever has to come up with a plan if they want, and that's an, that's an if, if they want Mark Scheifele to return, they have to come up with a plan or they have to say, you're not part of the plan. We're going in a different direction. We're doing something. But I think it's almost impossible now after Mark Shifley said that, for the status quo to remain in place with this team and not have it be problematic. 
Yeah, I would say that that, I mean, I, yeah, it's interesting. Now, so what is the next step here, right? So I don't think that was Mark Shifley publicly declaring that he wants to be traded, but it was Mark Shifley saying that he's not happy with how this year went for himself personally. Well, actually, I can't even really say that. I think he said he was quite happy with his game um, for the most part. But he said yep. this was a very challenging year. It was one he would like to forget quickly uh, because of everything that he went through, whether it was COVID, whether it was, you know, gearing up for the Olympics that did not happen. Uh, you know, not obviously getting injured at the end of the year. Um, I thought he was very forthcoming, <laughs> certainly. Uh, but certainly it, it seemed like it was a situation where he certainly wasn't overly comfortable with where things were at and he wants to know where things are going. And uh, I mean, that's a natural thing to wonder, but uh, again, there was a lot of, there was a lot of me's in that and eyes in that conversation. And I mean, again, it, there, we appreciate the honesty, but I'd be curious to see how that would be perceived by, by some of his teammates, maybe is how I would describe it. Um, again, I appreciate the honesty and I, and I think that, you know, it's good for players to be able to speak their minds. But, uh, I mean, you and I have talked about this. I think it's pretty fair to say that um, things didn't go smoothly with Mark Shifley and Dave Lowry. Um, you could tell to a degree by Dave Lowry's answer um, to Murat's question about the buy. Uh, I mean, was it was it tough to... We talk about this all the time, Sean. Uh, you can't always go look at the verbatim answers that are given. Sometimes the answer is the one is the words that are not said are as important or even more important as the words that are not said. What Dave Lowry did not say was that it was not difficult to get a buy-in from Mark Shifley. He said it was basically up to Mark to have his discussion and decided what he wanted to do. But at no time did I hear Dave Lowry say, Mark was very easy to coach, and he was one of the people who bought in fully. Uh, and I think that that was probably apparent in how that he played this year, Sean. So it'll be interesting. I mean, the, it definitely the, the, the Jets are at a fork in the road. Let's not kid ourselves here. Um, Mark Shifley is the first ever draft pick of this organization. He has been the golden child. Paul Maurice mentioned the possibility of build, like saying he was the kind of guy you build statues in front of the arena. Uh, the first statue that's going to be built is Dale Howardchuck. We know what Dale meant to this community. Mark has been a humongous part of the community for since 2011 when he was an 18-year-old kid drafted in a jersey that all it had on it was NHL on it before the Jets were even announced or had a logo. Well, I guess technically the Jets were announced when Mark or Chipman announced it at the podium. But they are at a they are at a crossroads here when it comes to Mark Shifley and Mark Shifley's future. And Sean, to your point, what we heard today was Mark Shifley saying, "I want to have a stake in what that future is going to be." And if I'm not happy with what I hear in terms of the direction, to your point, if the Jets are going to just roll around, roll out and say everything's fine, then I think that he is going to ask to be moved. Um, I think this is an interesting point made here. John Chan says this Jets team is in a bad place when Buff Pomo now 55 quits on the team. I'm not saying uh, 55 is quitting on the team. What I am saying is there's a lot of comments in here, you know, with coffee and TV says not a fan of 55's attitude, the derivatives of Mark and his attitude. What a spoiled punk. There's a lot of that going on in here. 
this is one thing that I would, but you know what? And I'm not, I'm not linking all these different things, but if you talk about Bufflin leaving, if you talk about Truba wanting out, and I know in the end that it was, you know, this conversation, the last thing given was that he needed to be somewhere where his, his wife could be, you know, a, a doctor. I, I don't think that that was always the case. And I don't think that was the first moment Truba wanted out. Patrick Liney having left, you know, like the one thing I'm thinking, and what made me think about this is it's like, are Jets fans going to get mad at every single Patrick Lyon and Truba and, you know, Buff, if he ever showed his face in the building and, and Shifley and all these guys who eventually won out, or are they going to start maybe wondering why all these players end up in a position where they're interested in leaving and doing it in a public manner? Now, I will say this. I think there's a lot of conversations to be had about, about, and we've been, uh, Tracy O'Kranick says, I kind of sort of, understand Shake's comments if they're going for a full rebuild maybe he's not on board for that I don't think any of us think that they're going for a full rebuild I don't think you can with you know Kyle Connor doing what he's doing Pierre-Luc Dubois unless they're going to move Pierre-Luc Dubois to it and who knows I know that Elliot had that story about that but with Ehlers to me they've got too many pieces to go for a complete and total rebuild um I, I will say this the, the one thing about this is put it this way this goes very counter to what Mark Chipman said in the last game, they were going to be very methodical and quiet and, and, you know, calm about how they went about all this kind of stuff. They're not going to be announcing a coach, you know, the, the day after the season, this is a player who's kind of, you know, again, thrown a bomb in that philosophy. This is not handling things quiet and this and that this to me is listen and can, you know, we probably, you know, behind the scenes, we have a varying, uh, varying, instances of hearing certain things about maybe Mark Shifley, you know, there being Mark Shifley's name being out there, but put it this way, Mark Shifley made darn sure his name is out there today, right? Like if you were wondering if Kevin Sheveldayoff is shopping Mark Shifley, well, maybe he is, maybe he's not, but Mark Shifley definitely put word out to the rest of the league that he's not so certain he's happy in Winnipeg. So if you're a GM who is interested in his services, Maybe it's a good time to give my GM a call and see if you couldn't make something happen here, right? I I, I say that, uh, and th this is one last point I've been wanting to get into for a while here, Ken. Um, and uh, before we do that, we should uh, give a shout out to uh, to to our sponsors because I noticed that we're going long in this case here. Cool. But let's uh, give uh, give our shout out um, to to the Johnson Group here. Talk a little bit about their Chambers plan. You won't find two businesses with the same challenges, but you will find 30,000 businesses with Chambers plan employee benefits proudly administered by our friends at Johnson Group. Chambers plan is Canada's number one plan for employee benefits because it evolves with the way you work and live. The plan is run as a not-for-profit designed specifically to support small businesses and its unique pooling strategy keeps rates stable so you won't have any surprises at your next renewal. Chambers plan now comes with professional consulting on key financial, legal, and HR issues and teledoc telemedicine services are included with every health option. See how Chambers plan can benefit your business by visiting chamberplan.ca. Now, I wanted to get this point across, Ken, because I think it's an important one. Mark Shifley... Um, is that a very team friendly six point uh, two five million a year or, or whatever? One two five, I think. But yes, point one two five. 
this is I found very interesting. So I do think that if Mark Shifley's name gets out there, there's going to be a lot of suitors for Mark Shifley's services. Again, he's a point-per-game player. You're going to find a coach out there who's taken a look at that and said when he was a very good defensive player, he still scored points. He's still scoring points now, even though it looks like his defensive game is tailed off. If we can get him, he's already been a good defensive player at one point, so if we can get him back to that and keep that offense going we get a really big player out of this whole thing so i could see it happening my issue here ken is if you're gonna move mark shifley you have to try and get the value for him back and make it fit into a 6.125 million dollar box unless you're going to start sending a whole bunch of other guys down the road to open up salary and that's one thing i think makes mark shifley hard to send and get someone back one because almost no one is going to send you a point for per game player back for that per, that person and two because it's hard to fit equal value back for a guy that you're already getting a value contract on so it does not suggest that if you're going to move mark shifley you're either going to have to make a big lots of moving parts trade to make it happen to not only open up the salary space to fit who's coming in or does it lock you in to just getting billing pieces that build for the future that aren't making that much money right now, but that you're thinking will make more money and grow into Mark Shifley's role in the future? Yeah, it's certainly one of the challenges, but I would say it should never be difficult to trade a team-friendly deal, right? I mean, it, it may be difficult to get the value back, which is what you're suggesting, but so what you'd be looking for, there's, there's two ways to look at this. The Jets would be looking at a team... Uh, that is looking to switch things around quickly. A team that thinks that it's close and needs scoring. Or else you're looking for market inefficiencies. You're looking to a team that has salary cap problems. You're not wanting to help them with their salary cap problems, but you're looking to add a piece or two that could help you. And maybe that you have to kick in a, t a guy on an ELC that can also help you fit it in under the cap. So, I mean, again, let's not get ahead of ourselves, but let's just say, for example, Sean... If the Toronto Maple Leafs can't get out of the first round because they're playing the two-time Stanley Cup champions, what do the Ch Toronto Maple Leafs not have enough of? Team-friendly contracts. They have three players that are making $10 million or more in their forward group. So I'm not saying the Jets are taking one of those $10 million players off their hands, but there would be other ways to maneuver. I mean, maybe Toronto trades one of those $10 million guys elsewhere and then gets a Mark Shifley. To me, Philadelphia was just rolling through town. The Philadelphia Flyers have publicly declared that their underachievement is a one-year problem, that they are planning on getting back into being a contender immediately. So to me, the Philadelphia Flyers had some guys who underachieved, but some guys that would be of interest to the Jets as well. Because Philadelphia has Sean Couturier and Kevin Hayes to handle the defensive side of the game at center, Mark Shifley would be a very appealing player. Whether you're keeping him at center, which is the most likely thing, or as we mentioned, maybe you're moving him to the wing. But again, and there's other teams. If you're the New Jersey Devils, Sean, you think you're getting better with Jack Hughes, right? Before Hughes got hurt, they were still a rebuilding team. But if you're a team that's either trying to accelerate the path of your rebuild, or you're a team that thinks you're on the verge and trying to get yourself over the top, maybe you don't score enough, right? Who's yeah. a team in the NHL that doesn't score much? Well, what's been Vegas's problem? The Vegas Golden Knights certainly have been having trouble scoring. Mark Shifley would be a guy that would certainly help them out, right? I mean, if you're not scoring, maybe a $6 million guy works, but who's coming back? That, that would be the harder harder issue to solve. I mean, we're going to look at, we're gonna look at, at issues uh, and teams that are, that are looking at 
potential moves. I mean, Mark would make sense for Carolina, right? Carolina's a team that Mark fits Carolina perfectly because they don't have a lot of $10 million players. If Carolina gets bounced by Boston, I mean, wouldn't Mark Shifley make sense there? Vinny Trocek's a, a UFA. You know, now all of a sudden you have Aho and Shifley down the middle, and then you have Stahl as your third-line center. So, as you mentioned, there's going to be lots of teams. And again, I just mentioned Boston. I mean, if Bergeron doesn't sign with Boston, what about Mark Shifley moving in to a kind of a first-line role with a team like that? And uh, sorry, I'm going to nod at you instead of reply, Sean. I do have it ready if you uh, okay. throw it up Let's there, and we're going to go. Hold on, let me just drop that, and Ken, you uh, take it away here. Yeah, thanks. We already thanked our good friends at the Johnson Group. We're also going to be uh, thanking our great friends and fellow members at the Cambrian Credit Union. We are so proud to be sponsored by a local organization that supports our communities. On the screen, we have a list of sponsorships and donations Cambrian Credit Union made in 2021. In 2021, Cambrian committed over $280,000 in donations and more than $115,000 in sponsorships. Check out the hashtag Cambrian Communities or visit cambrian.mb.ca. And once again, we thank our friends and fellow members at Cambrian Credit Union for their incredible support uh, late in the season here. It was great to have them on board along with the Johnston Group. They are part of the reason we are able to keep these shows going. And if you can support them in any way, uh, please do so. And, and let us know you're able to do so. Yeah, and please do so because if you take a look at that list, it's clear they support the community that we all live in. So thank you so much uh, to Cambrian. Uh, Kenny, I think that you uh, go on. Sorry, just I should also mention the New York Rangers. The Rangers are a team. I was speaking with Arthur Staple on his podcast the week that Andrew Kopp was traded to the New York Rangers. We talked more about Kopp, but you know, with Ryan Strom being a pending UFA, they may have a, a situation where they're looking for a centerman. And yes, Andrew Kopp would be someone they might want to move into that slot but Mark Shifley is a guy that the Rangers are would be interested as well to go in that one-two punch with Mika Zibanejad and we know the Jets were sniffing around guys like Braden Schneider the former Brandon Wheat King captain and Alexis Lafreniere um, at the time in the trade deadline where they ended up with Morgan Barron and the two second round picks one of which that can become a first so uh, there will be plenty of interest there will be there will be 31 disappointed teams coming up Again, you're not trading Mark Scheifele to the Seattle Kraken because their window is not within that two-year window that Mark is under contract. But at the end of that contract, Seattle might be it might be one of those teams that could throw a bunch of money at Mark Scheifele as a pending unrestricted free agent, depending on how the next couple of years go. But there is going to be interest uh, in, in Mark Scheifele as it pertains to him should the Jets put him on the market. And again, that's... This is the thing about, we've said this for weeks now, Sean, the two most important, again, and there are a lot of exit meetings that will be important on Monday. The two most important exit meetings are Mark Shifley, and he gave us a glimpse of what that exit meeting is going to sound like for him, and Pierre-Luc Dubois, who also probably gave us a little bit of a glimpse on what he will be expecting to hear on Friday at the morning skate when he talked openly about what things he would be looking for when it comes to his next deal, even though he has said to this point he has not given it given it a whole lot of thought. But now that process begins. And Sean, that's honestly what complicates this matter to a degree because the Jets probably aren't going to look at a scenario where they want to consider moving both of those guys. I don't see that happening. But it's tougher to move Mark, move on from Mark Shifley should they decide to do that if Pierre-Luc Dubois is not willing to sign 
a long-term deal or I mean or else you get an indication that it's a one-year deal but now you're in a situation where now the heat is on right so we'll see what happens are those two things completely intertwined no but they are things that will be watched very very closely they would probably be the two biggest stories of the offseason that we will be monitoring you know I, it's no surprise to me that there's organization like the um Connor Hellebuck coming uh, out of out of college and out of junior because his th- kind of mindset was big and boring, right? Big, quiet. That kind of wins the race, right? It, it seems to me that that's the the kind of theory behind this team over on a whole to, to handle things quietly. I can't think that you know, especially the way Mark Chipman handled that interview in the last game. Um, we'll see what Kevin Dayoff has has to say, but we know that traditionally Kevin Dayoff is, is a guy who tries to say as little as he possibly can. So all these conversations that keep happening, this is a loud franchise right now. This is a loud franchise for the first time since I started covering it with players coming out voicing their opinions, saying things that are rough. It's interesting. Kevin uh, Sawyer talked about it in the broadcast. He said that it's a good thing. I know I've said it's a good thing, and I do think it's a good thing. I think that there's a lot of – you've said it's a good thing, Ken. Uh, I, I, I do think it's – I think there's a lot of stuff that went on behind the scenes here and kind of got – you know, cramped down and stuffed down over the years. And I just think that uh, this is probably driving Kevin Sheveldayoff and Mark Chipman nuts that this team got this loud this year. It's probably one of the hardest parts about this season for them, I would think. I thought that you saw a little bit of a contrast between the new way that the Winnipeg Jets are handling this situation and the old way they were handling it when you had Paul Stastny and Blake Wheeler sitting side by side in the post game today. Now, even Blake Wheeler over his last two press conferences has been saying things that were, you know, a little bit more overt and a little bit, you know, harder. And before that, was going out of his way to say absolutely nothing, as as you know, similar to similar philosophy to what we've had the entire time. I think Paul Maurice was a big part of that. I think removing Paul Maurice is a big reason we're hearing that now. But I was just thinking that someone said, and let me see if I can find it in here. It was an interesting comment. Joe from Winnipeg says, Stastny's comments regarding needing to be held accountable is almost like accusing the coaching staff of being too lenient. It's more a slight on the Paul Maurice and Lowry regime. I mean, I think there's one way, you know, you could read into that. But the other part of that is when you've got Paul Stastny standing up and calling out his teammates, sitting beside a captain that doesn't. Does, what do you read from that, Ken? Because when I see that, I see a guy who's stepping into a void to say something that's been left behind. And for me, that was a, that was an interesting moment with those two at the podium because I think if you didn't know and you walked into a room and asked someone which of these two players is the captain of this hockey team, I think that person nine times out of ten would have told you it was Paul Stassen. Yeah, I mean, certainly interesting premise. I would also maybe counter of it this way. I think we talk about what is left unsaid. To me, that was Paul. Paul and Blake are, are great friends. They may even be best friends when it comes to their relationship. We know that Paul is a guy who's friends with everyone. But these are two guys that are in the same similar spot in life. They're 35, 36 years old. They're married. They have young kids. Um, they have a lot of similarities going on in their life. To me, Sean, I would counter by saying... Blake, I know. I think what Stastny was saying there is, Blake, I know 
from our conversations what you maybe would like to add but aren't comfortable adding i'll happily fall on the sword and leave those comments out into the air about accountability uh, that was more my interpretation um, what i would also say is that here's here here would be my account i, I love that stastny said it and i you know i think it's a it's an interesting way to look at things what i would counter with is that I think that maybe Paul Stastny could handle that publicly at 23, but a lot of players are sensitive. I'm not sure if you polled some of the Jets players that are 24 and under that they would share. I mean, I would think that they would all want to be held accountable, but I'm not sure they would all want to be accountable, held accountable publicly, and which I think Dave Lowry made it clear that he's got no problem holding a player accountable in a one-on-one -on -one meeting, but that's not his style in terms of airing someone out and hoping that hoping that he sees the light and uses it as motivation which again i love the fact that stastny is sharing that with those young players i'm just not sure that enough players have been called out enough to respond positively to being called out so well, th that that would be my counter to that that's well, I, sorry, just on the very specific Dave Lowry point, Dave Lowry is the kind of guy who didn't need to be called out in his career. Right. right. But I think Dave Lowry is coming from a different place. I understood him saying that, and I understand that colors the way that he approaches this situation. And this is exactly what I was thinking when he made those comments. I was thinking, of course you'd say that, Dave, because Dave didn't need a coach calling him out in public. And so Dave probably feels as though if he ever got called out in his career, the one time, the one time you know I didn't do my job right you call me out in front of the media what's the deal with that here I think this is an entirely different situation I think they, they, you know there's different players respond to different things and it was a real good example put up by Stastny uh, where he talked about Bruce Boudreaux calling out one of his players um, and and that player responding I it was either the next game or the next game against that specific team with three points Stassi said, it's embarrassing, you don't like it, but you get over it and you move on. And everyone should know by now how I feel about this. I think Barry Trotz is the best coach in the game. I think he does this better than anyone. He constantly talks about his players' faults and foibles in the media, but he does it in a way where, again, he's dragging the skeleton out of the closet and showing it to everyone. And I wanna, I wanna kind of defend Blake Wheeler from the question that I asked before in this situation where where I was saying, you know, if you brought a stranger into the room and sat them down and had them listen to that press conference, who would they think is the captain? Is it Blake Wheeler or is it Paul Stastny? They'd say Paul Stastny because Paul Stastny is saying the hard truths that it seems like Blake Wheeler doesn't. I'll say this. I think Blake Wheeler is not the kind of guy who says those things because he's come from the school of Paul Maurice. And what I've seen from the school of Paul Maurice is my players never go say anything in front of the media. They go up. They don't say a thing. My general manager doesn't have to. My owner doesn't have to. No one has to say a thing. But I have the gift of the gab. I've got the silver tongue. I can talk us out of any situation. So if Blake goes out and gets grumpy and explodes and says this and goes off on the media, Paul Reese comes out afterwards and gets asked about it and says, well, gosh darn it, it sure is good to have a captain that you don't have to motivate, isn't it? Right? Like there's the, he can take the, the sow's ear and turn it into a silk, silk purse 
every single time. That's gone now, and I think that's one of the reasons why I think with Paul Maurice gone now, you're having the players say this. But the difference, I think, between Blake Wheeler and Paul Stastny is that Paul Stastny's been in different places. He's been in different organizations and have had varying levels of success. But Paul or uh, Mark Shifley talked about it. Unless you got brought in and traded here, if you're like Mark Shifley or Blake Wheeler, what you know basically is a Paul Maurice NHL. Any success you've had has come under a Paul Maurice system. You don't question systems when they work, and it looked like it was working for a long time so if i if i go out there and the way we handle things is we never say anything to the media and we never call out accountability and we take you know greasy ugly wins they shouldn't have gotten to tie a bow and say oh man our compete factor is great and this and that and ignore all the stuff that you should be addressing well if it's worked up till now that's what you do but i want to say go back to the beginning of this and say i defend blake wheeler in this situation because he hasn't had the experience that paul stassing has had where he's been on other teams that know that it's okay to talk about these things in front of the media know even better that a lot of these things don't get better if you don't address them and that's what i saw in the the contrast between those two guys yeah they're in similar situations in life i just think paul stassi's been in way more places experienced a lot more stuff and blake wheeler is now adjusting to life kind of for the first time as a leader and a captain without paul maurice and this is the transition this is what the transition looks like my guess if blake wheeler's still here next year and i fully expect him to be is you're going to have a little bit more honest Blake Wheeler like we've seen these last couple press conferences and it should make for good uh, good stuff. Uh, let's, before we go too quickly here, Ken, let's bring in Scotty Billick because uh, people have been asking for him. Uh, Scotty, Again? I've got some news for you. Uh, music? Oh boy. I, I got entry music sent for you. But oh, I, I, I didn't have time to plug it into the show. I don't know if it's something that we want to play because we don't have anything in the way of um, uh, of like a, a music video to kind of cover it up, <laughs> but let me see if I can't play this into the microphone. It's, it's a nod to the flute, and it's a nod to the uh, storm, which is absolutely your favorite song. If I can get this playing here, it's uh, I think it's called Snowstorm by our great friend Tristan Rivers. Uh, <laughs> let's see if I can get it. I, I don't know how well you guys can hear that. We'll get into it later. Can, I can hear the flute. I caught it a couple hours before showtime. But uh, yeah, it's worked, Scotty. You've got the music. We're going to have it ready to go for next year. Uh, you deserve it. Uh, Tristan thought you deserved it. So there we go. Scotty, welcome to the show. Um, we're going to kind of leave this open to you. And you can take it in a different direction if you want, or you can go where we've been. We've talked about Scheifele, we've talked a little bit about Wheeler. We haven't got to Dave Lowry yet, talked about Paul Stastny. You can go in any direction, but what kind of stood out most to you in that post game, which uh, we thought was full of fireworks? Well, I, I still can't hear after the explosion from the grenade that was dropped in the room from Mark Scheifele there. So, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I, you know we, we've heard this, right? Like, we've... 
we've heard that Mark Shifley's name is in it. And when I asked him about it today, you know, it's not like he he didn't. If you're looking for a guy to pull his leg or his foot out of the doorway or whatever, he didn't do that. You know, like it's not like he did anything today to quell the the rumors or whatever you want to call it. I don't think I think it's more than rumors. Um, but he didn't do anything to quell that. If, if nothing else, he fanned the flame. He he tossed the fuel on the fire, whatever it was. I mean, here's a guy who came out and essentially said it's going to be a well. He's, he, this way, it's going to be a tough conversation between him and general manager Kevin Shovel Day off tomorrow. Um, uh, you know, he sounded like a guy who was he who's a UFA. I mean, you know, we have to understand that Mark Shifley's still contractually obligated to this team for the next two years. But that being said, we've seen disgruntled superstars in this league force their way, force the hands of the teams that they're with to get them out of town. And, you know, I don't think whatever Mark Shifley said today is exactly going to resonate well with this franchise. Um, and then Dave Lowry, I mean, you said you haven't gotten to it. He basically said that Mark needs to figure Mark out. I mean, that's basically what he said. I mean, we're reading to, between the lines here, but he essentially said Mark needs to figure out what the, he wants and what the vision is and all that sort of thing too. And, and so there's the other grenade too. So it's almost like these guys were just tossing, you know, bombs at each other. And it, but this is not something we've seen this because Mark Shifley, if we go back to, I want to say maybe it was February when Mark Shifley kind of said, I don't know what the identity of this team is. When Mark Shifley question Dave Lowry's system um, earlier in the year. I mean, this is all sort of coming to a head now. Uh, of course it is. I mean, the season's over. You're not trying to distract from one another, but it doesn't seem like there's a good fit between Mark Shifley and Dave Lowry. I'm not entirely certain who Paul Stasny was talking about today, but I have a good idea, and it might have been the guy that came and spoke after him, um, which was Mark Shifley. And so, like, I, this is the problem that, you know, like, guys aren't pointing the finger, you know, publicly at the guy that they, they won't name the guy. But it seems to be, even it was interesting even who came out. I, I, maybe I'm reading into this too much. But usually Mark Shifley comes out with Blake Wheeler in these two things. Paul Stasny came out with Blake Wheeler this time. And Mark Shifley came out with Adam Lowry. And I, I, maybe I'm just reading into that a little bit too much. But to me... I don't know. I don't know what's happened. Like, and this is pure speculation on my part. I think Blake Wheeler has taken a step as, and you were talking about it, Sean, a little bit, a step as a captain. But I think Blake Wheeler has seen the light this time without Mark Shifley in the lineup. Him and Paul Stasny today talking about how much fun they were having playing with Nikolai Ehlers and that sort of thing. I mean, they were having fun. Blake Wheeler saying it would have been nice to play on that line a little bit longer. Um, if they had more time and that sort of thing. These are the types of things that I was hearing today. I'm like, maybe Shifley is the odd man out here, and it's starting to become that way, and that we have heard all these things from everybody, but we've gotten to the point where it's, it's you know, you're not pointing fingers and, and naming names, but we kind of just know who you're talking about anyways. Um, I, I, that That's what I got out. It, it, it was... That, that's the weirdest press conference I think I've been in, you know, covering this team over the last eight seasons. It, it's just, it was a strange one, and um, you know, it. it I, I I don't know. It'd be interesting to see how the club and and, and player kind of come back from something like that. 
Um, I, I, you know, anything can be healed, of course. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think one of the biggest questions tomorrow to Kevin Chevaldeoff, not from Mark Shifley, but from the media, from a fan's perspective, is what is the vision of this club? You know, I, I don't think Mark Shifley's off base when he's asking that question because I don't think any of us here could answer that because we don't know. Um, but at the same time, it, it's just like I, I would. I, you want to know how this got so damaged. Um, but it appears that there is a lot of pain there, let's say. Um, there, there's an injury there that hasn't healed. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it, it was interesting. It was quite, it was quite interesting. And, you know, I think Dave Lowry, I think he's a little, you know, peeved off, pissed off because of kind of the way that Mark played while he was in the lineup for Dave. And, and it wasn't the way that maybe some of the other guys were playing. And, you know, Dave did a good job today. I thought of not going there, but it almost seemed like he wanted to. And, uh, yeah, it, it was just, it was an interesting it was it was really really interesting, and um, you know, Shifley almost came across as a bit brazen. I, I don't know if you guys would have, uh, right. uh, would, would that. you know, it was almost a little bit of that, like maybe defiant even. Um, those things probably mean the same thing in this in this sense, but yeah, it was it, it was it was it was just very very interesting. There's a lot of intrigue there, um, and it's good. I mean, and it really sets the stage for tomorrow's. Um, media veil with uh, with Kevin Shovel Day off to a degree, yes. But I mean, Kevin's even if the Jets are planning on entertaining offers for Mark Shifley, there there's no chance Kevin's going to be out there and saying putting up the for sale sign with number fifty five sure. on it. The most the most outwardly Kevin has ever been when it comes to a potential trade scenario was how he handled Patrick Liney. Sean, don't you agree? The yeah. denials were not nearly as ferocious maybe as in years past so i i'm very curious on what he's going to say and he knows he'll have to talk about it i mean sure we know that that was something in the you know whether it was the coach's office or the gm's office no one's going to be happy from the jets that that happened but at the same time sometimes again it, nobody wants to be backed into a corner and again the jets have shown time after time they may eventually make the move they're not making the move for pennies on the dollar so if if Mark wants to make it known that he feels as though he may be available, by all means. But a team is still going to have to win the bid for his services, right? Oh, that yeah. was my interpretation. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, and I, I think maybe you know, if Mark Shifley says he wants out, that already lowers his asking price, does it not? Because now you know that there's a guy who is disgruntled that wants out, and so doesn't the bargaining power? lesson a little bit for Kevin Sheva. Like I think this like this press conference with Mark was a disaster from that that sense. If Mark just would have said, hey, I love Winnipeg, whatever, you know, towed the company line and just said whatever, and then they did this deal in, in away from the public eye, then whatever. But like don't you think today was kind of a little bit did, did, didn't you know hindered that just a little bit? I would argue by just saying, well, quick one, Sean, and I'll turn it over to you. To If there's only one suitor, then yes, it hurts the bargaining power, right? If there's only one team interested. But this is a, this is a unique scenario where a high-level point producer, an elite-level point producer, is available at a team-friendly number that most, if not all, contenders can squeeze into their cap. So in order sure. to do that, 
you're, the, the field is still wide, right? Even if a player even you know lets it be known that he's maybe not thrilled, there still are going to be enough teams interested to drive up the price. It would be my counter to that. Mark Shifley's, what, 6'2", 6'3", guys, 208, 215 pounds, something along those lines. Uh, typically very rugged, doesn't get injured that often. And he's a point-per-game player. Um, he's a centerman. This He's going to, like, there's going to be people lining up for his services. People can say whatever they want about, you know, how the effort that a guy puts in or how he's played his game. Just look at how many people have lined up time and time again to give Evander Kane a chance, right? If you're a good team and you've got a hole at center and you can add a guy who's going to be a point per game guy, and if you've got a strong willed coach and if you've got a good room that you feel is going to be able to bring that player into that culture. Um, I think that Mark Shifley is a dream uh, for you to get your hands on. And I would not be surprised at all to see Mark Shifley go to a team like that. Like, I, I, I don't necessarily know Ken uh, because, I, to me, if you're the Carolina Hurricanes, there may be that may be a risk that you don't want to bring into your dress room because that dress room just seems to be like, like it seems like, Rod Brindamore figured out how to put together the perfect dressing room. Um, and and I, I take a look at what's happening there, and I think maybe it's a risk to bring Mark Shifley in if you think that there's issues like that. Or maybe you've got so much confidence in Rod Brindamore and what he's capable of doing, uh, who is also came into the league under Paul Maurice, right? So there's, you know, some parallels there that Mark would be able to follow. But if you're Mark and you go there and you're thinking, here's a team that's on the precipice of winning a Stanley Cup. They've been here for a while now. Really good team just needs to be, needs that one person to put them over the hump. And you go and you're the Carolina Hurricanes and say, Mark, that's what we went to get you for. You and Sebastian Aho are going to be our one-two punch with great defense and a phenomenal team that's really balanced with established guys and young guys are really really good good captain that they talk about in Jordan Stahl that is really good at controlling that room if you were able to add Mark Shifley into the mix into that and get him to play the way that those players play boy oh boy look out look out he would be something else so I I don't think it's necessarily a, a matter of moving him. My my trick that I had brought on uh, before you came on is at six point one two five. I know Kenneth said this; it shouldn't be hard to move a value contract, but because the Jets are so up against it with their their uh, with their salary cap, moving him out and bringing players in. How do you bring players in that that pick up? you know, the slack for him with only $6.125 million to spend. It's hard enough to go get a guy who's just going to go in one for one and, and you know, finding a guy capable of doing what Mark Trifley does. Never mind getting a guy who's good enough to be a point per game player for six straight seasons and only make $6.125 million a year. It's a hard, hard uh, situation. I think you're talking about blockbuster territory if that happens in the offseason. Yeah, I mean, Carolina's a great fit on a number of levels, but I mean, they're also going to have an opportunity to have money open. They have four pending UFAs up front, and two of them are centermen in Vincent Trocek and Max Domi. Yeah, Nino Niederreiter is also a UFA, same with Derek Stepan. So, again, for them, and the reason why Carolina is super interesting for both of you, as you already know, um, 
they talked the year that the you know the whispers around the draft in Vancouver were surrounding Nikolai Ehlers the talk at the time was Carolina and a deal that involved Brett Pesci where eventually ultimately Carolina wasn't willing to go or maybe the Jets weren't willing to go because they needed more so Carolina has one of the best defense cores the Jets would probably be looking at a right shot D like a guy like Brett Pesci and again it doesn't matter these from Winnipeg Seth Jarvis would be a guy that he would widen your window right he's had an incredible rookie season he could play center he could play wing um, man I mean they're again but again if Carolina goes out and wins the Stanley Cup they might be going well we've got enough pieces maybe we don't need Mark Shifley so it's got to be we'll know more in a couple weeks here but yeah I mean Sean you're right it's hard to find value depending on your situation and your personal team situation right so you're either taking a chance on someone who had a tough year and you expect them to rebound there's an element of futures involved but you got to get value back, and, th- and that's the key. I mean, when you're trading a high-end player, you're not just moving him for the sake of moving him because of everything that you mentioned. But uh, it's going to be a fascinating time. And you know what? Ultimately, some sometimes some guys just need a change, right? What have we heard from our colleagues this year, Sean? The Jets look like their core is stale. So stale. When, you, when you have stale issues, you got to get somebody out and somebody in. But you also have to have people that are excited about being here. You don't want to be bringing in a guy who had a bad year and thinks, oh my God, I'm going to Winnipeg, right? You need to have a guy that wants to be part of getting things turned around and getting back yeah. to contender status. Otherwise, right. you're just you're just shipping out one problem for another, and the Jets are not interested in that either. Um, guys, yeah. I want to approach a different topic, uh, and uh, I don't know. Yeah, no, I'm going to do it. Um, give me an idea of who you think has played their last game in Winnipeg. I'll go first just to give you guys some time to handle this. Uh, but I, I And he was not on this list. I was not believing he was on this list until his post game. But I put Shifley on that list now. Um, I put Paul Stastny. Uh, and I want to say good job on uh, Hammy, who was on the show earlier on, who is had conversations with Stastny and made it clear Paul Stastny is not just going to stay here and take bargain contracts to open up space for other guys to come to this team. And he made that clear in his post game. All options are open. He's going to see what's out there. Uh, doesn't mean he's not coming back to Winnipeg, but boy, oh boy, he sure didn't make it sound like it's Winnipeg or bust. I think Sanford's played his last game as a Winnipeg Jet Brooks and because we're talking about needing to open up money to fit the guys that uh, uh, Mark Shifley uh, moving out, would, you would need to do to try and bring back similar value. I'm going to say Nate Schmidt. Who do you guys think? I'll start with you, Scotty. Who do you think isn't back next season? Yeah, I think Paul Stastny comes back. But, I mean, I I, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm on the fence with Paul Stastny. I agree with you on Nate Schmidt, though. Um, I think Nate Schmidt is... It is likely to be the guy on his way out um, it, because if nothing else, because you need that gap space and, and Nate Schmidt is still a guy that you can trade. Um, and then, yeah, Mark Shifley. Um, yeah, and that's, you know, maybe Logan Stanley. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they, uh, if they moved on from Logan Stanley after this season, um, just with, you know, what's open, what's going to be available. Um, I'm quite interested on what they're going to do with Billy Heinle too. Um, you know, I think if you're talking blockbuster, if you're talking, uh, you know, really needing to change or trying to bring in a big name player here, 
uh, in some sort of blockbuster trade with another team. Um, you know, I think Vili Heinle's name is one that's going to be high on the list for other teams. Um, and there's times where you're going to have to um, give up a, 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 a blue chip kind of prospect like that to 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 get a deal done. And I think they've really liked Dylan Sandberg. I think Dylan Sandberg has carved out a starting spot in next year's uh, blue line um, already. Not like I don't even think there's an uh, an issue. There, I don't think he's going to have to really fight for a spot that much. Um, but I think if you're trying to, and, and you know, people aren't going to like that um, with Billy Heinle's name being there. But I just, I, I think that he might be on the. I don't even want to call it a sweetener because he wouldn't be a sweetener. I just think he's part of a big deal if you are trading uh, Mark Shifley. Um, but other than that, you know, I, I agree with Russ. I, I think they want Paul Stasny here. If nothing more than like you know you pay him fair market value um because you need a guy like that in a room that does lack a little bit of leadership right i mean i'm not saying that but uh, to me paul stasny has been kind of the glue for this team i think paul stasny's fine with signing these one-year deals i mean if there's always a market for a guy like paul stasny uh he's kind of like chara or or joe thornton or whatever right there, there's a lot of value there that you can get out of a player like that and it's not just you know the points on the ice but it's 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 everything that he brings to the team um so yeah i i don't think it's neil pionk i know people talking about neil pionk i think neil pionk had a tough year um but i i don't know if uh neil pionk is that guy i think they got him on a pretty good contract um so yeah no those would be my guys ken before you go just quickly here um we're having a breakdown show tomorrow right after oh, sorry, uh, yeah. after chevy Three yes, to four. Okay. Coming okay. out of Hustler's so, show. Okay, so let's do that. Um, we're going to get into that. Uh, now I want you to do y- y- your guys. So because, we're going to end this show without Ken. Uh, Ken's going to do this because he's got to go. Um, so Ken, I want you to give your guys. And then Scotty and I are going to duke it out over the Logan Stanley, uh, Zadino Chara stuff to end this show. <laughs> uh, one quick one on Stasny. Uh, he said again today, which is something that I've talked about before, He's open to places he had been before. To me, that was a direct correlation to Colorado. Uh, And the other thing to remember, when Paul Stastny broke into the NHL, one of his best friends on the team is Andrew Brunette. So Mm -hmm. would that be awkward playing for one of your friends? Well, not if the team is a Stanley Cup contender. Uh, So to me, the Florida Panthers would be, those would be the two teams to me to keep your eyes open for if Paul Stastny is not back. Uh, so those, I mean, again, if he's chasing a cup like Ray Bork, those would be the top two choices probably. I do think Winnipeg is a factor. Zach Sanford has some tools, but the Jets have Morgan. I mean, I think Morgan Barron gave the Jets as much or more in that job yep. when he played on that line. Agreed. So I don't see Zach. San- and again, it's also market inefficiency. Barron is basically a league minimum player and Sanford's making $2 million. So you're yep. already saving a million dollars. Um, Shifley, I think, is also on the way out, uh, as we all do after today, or maybe even before today, but certainly after today. Um, who, who, where, where he goes, and that would that would maybe impact things. So for me, I've mentioned this about Nate Schmidt before. I think in terms of a team trying to you know change the culture, I think keeping keeping him around makes some sense. Uh, but at the same time, I think maybe maybe he's a guy in a bigger deal with a team like let's use Buffalo for example. If you're, you know, maybe Buffalo sees him as a good partner for Owen Power. So if that's the case, 
then you get the you know team-friendly deal of six with Shifley, and then you also take Nate Schmidt. But you know that package probably be around Peyton Krebs and, and a couple of other pieces as well, obviously. And we'll see. I mean, the Sabers have a ton of first-round draft picks. I could see them as being a team that the Jets would be looking at in terms of adding a draft pick back, but also needing someone that that can help them immediately, like a Peyton Krebs. So who else? I mean, somebody on the back end. Two guys on the back end are moving. I don't know if it's Logan Stanley or if it's going to be Schmidt or I don't. I still think Dylan DeMello is in danger of maybe having played his last game with the Winnipeg Jets. Again, not because he's a player that didn't have a good year, but is there a big drop-off between DeMello and Johnny Kovacevic, for example? Or maybe next year you're playing, I mean, Pionk is playing great with Sandberg. You may not want to move him, but Kovacevic is at worst the Jets' seventh defenseman next year. So, again, can you afford a $3 million guy to play with Josh Morrissey? Well, it's half the price of Nate Schmidt's deal, but that doesn't mean it's necessarily the case either. So, Again, I, I don't know exactly which D you're gone. Two, I'm just going to have to say two two of the veteran defensemen are going to be moved. And I don't I don't think Hanley is on the move. But if there's a massive blockbuster, I mean, everything is on the table. And we'll have to see. what uh, We'll dig into this more as we move along. Yeah, we've got, uh, but, we've got uh, tomorrow to dig into this further. Uh, you, but yeah, just quickly, place- yeah. for people who did not hear, um, Pierre-Luc Dubois will be joined by Adam Lowry for Team Canada. There has not been an official announcement. But you can, you can, unlike Hustler, you can take this ticket to the bank. Um, Adam Lowry will be going to Finland with Team Canada. It's the first time he's going to get a chance to represent his country, uh, and it's going to be a massive opportunity for him to, you know, be on the penalty kill and play that checking role. Um, and other than that, uh, we're excited. Massive week, and I know here, here was another one that I wanted to just highlight. Um, not only wrenched user will I thank Dennis Bayak on account of the chat room. The chat room will have access to none other than the retiring Dennis Bayak for our long-form show on Thursday from 3 till at least 3.30 or 45 or however long Dennis is willing to stay. Let's just go for an hour. Let's just go for an hour. He's retired. He's got lots of time. We'll see, but uh, we're fired up to we're fired up to have Dennis as part of the broadcast. Uh, I'm thankful that Sportsnet gave me an opportunity to weigh in on Dennis's farewell broadcast today. Uh, it was yeah. a short message, but uh, meant a lot to be able to share that. Uh, Dennis, I said before, uh, has been a massive mentor for for me. Uh, he helped get me on TV in the first place, along with Sarah Orleski. And uh, I'm eternally grateful for everything that he's done. And Sean mentioned, Scotty, you mentioned the other day, uh, Dennis's preparation and commitment level. And here's the other thing that people don't know. Dennis is a KG veteran, but he also works out more than any other member of the media. And that's an impressive statistic to keep. Uh, Dennis is a uh, fitness machine, always gets the workouts in. And like I said, I'm as great a broadcaster as he is. He's an even better friend. And I'm thankful to know him and I'm glad we were able to shine a light on him and I'm glad the, our chat room will have a chance to uh, shower him with praise on Thursday afternoon as well. And just before you do go, Ken, I just wanted to bring this up here because Dylan M asks, can you guys arrange a Kenny and Rennie beer night and wings night at a restaurant? It would be great to talk about these things in person. Lynn Reimer says, can you make the wings and beer night on the last two weeks of August? I'm flying home. I would love to join. I don't know about that, but we should put some serious thought into this chat about it the next couple of days. And then maybe when we're doing kind of a, uh, you know, end of season thing, if we wanted to do that, we could pick a place. I think you and I both know a good spot. It wouldn't be, uh, we've been trying, uh, 
uh, people for um, a long time now to set up and do some of our shows live from our restaurant. So you could come down and the chat room could not only join, but they could come and actually join the show and hop in and ask their questions every once in a while. Uh, we're still trying to do that in the future. We just got to f- figure out the logistics, but maybe the best way of kind of getting into that, seeing if there would be that much interest in it is seeing how many people would come out to an end of year event like that, Ken. So let's talk about it and see what you can come away with. Other than that, Ken, great job. Uh, enjoy your time. Say hi to everybody for me and congratulations to Dennis. And then uh, let's let Scotty and I, let's, I, I got to give Scotty his, air it out, his air it out. Chance. Chance. Uh, Thanks, Ken. Thank you. Can you try, I know that you're in the Lactabonning area still, but uh, can you try to download it when we're done? And post it yeah. or no, or I yeah, can do it later I can on. Do it. I, I'll do it. Yeah. Okay, Got right it. on, man. Thanks. Uh, thanks again for everything, everybody. Uh, we'll see you tomorrow afternoon. Okay. All right. Now let's launch into a waiters. Twenty-seven says here, if Scotty doesn't come on the show to address the chart comments, we all might throw our phones. Now I thought I was giving you all the credit that you had wanted. I thought you had made the comparison last year. I took issue with the comparison. I, I hate the comparison. But what are you saying that I'm getting wrong about your comparison between Zadino Chara and Logan Stanley? All I'm saying is I didn't say that. Logan Stanley was going to become Zidane Chara. I am saying that teams, and you can look back, and I think Waiters even put this in the chat, or T-Will, somebody did the other night when they're all clamoring for this whole thing to happen. Teams love the idea, uh, and I know this whole six-foot-seven thing is, is a hilarious meme now in this town, but teams love that. It, every team wants the next Zidane Chara. For many reasons, and 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 chief among them, how effective he was on the ice. So my whole point was, and if I didn't uh, verbalize this in the most correct way, or I, I just I'm, this is I am a writer, I'm not a talker, but I'm not saying he was going to be the next Dino Char. I'm saying that teams take chances on guys like that because that's what they want them to turn into, right? There's this like everybody loves both you and I know that teams love big dudes, right? They love big defensemen. You know, this is how, this is what it is. You know, Eric Comrie probably gets a better chance if he's six foot five and not five foot 11, right? Like the, yeah. this is the whole idea of, of big team or, or, or GMs and, 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 and scouts. And all, they always love the big player, even though we've seen Kyle Connors and the Cole Caulfields and the Marty St. Louis and, and all those players, right? But how many times did Marty St. Louis get passed over but before he turned into a Hall of Fame player. My whole point is that if you have a guy, and I think this part of the reason why the Jets traded up to get Logan Stanley is because you see an opportunity there to have a player turn into something that's obviously very rare, but I think teams take chances on that. At least the Jets did. Has it worked out? I don't know if it has. I, you know, I don't think Logan Stanley has turned into what the Jets want. His opportunity was last season and this year, and Dylan Sandberg came in for six games or whatever it was early in the season and stole his job, and then he had, got injured, came back, and stole his job again. You know, that's the, the sign of a player that can't handle the pressure um, that he was under. It couldn't come back into the lineup and make his mistakes. Dave Lowry's talked about the speed, when Logan's moving with speed, but the problem is it doesn't seem like he processes the game uh, as quickly as a Dylan Sandberg does. Um, so, you know, that that's my whole idea on this. Uh, it's, you know, 
I look back, I, I never wrote it. Maybe I said it somewhere. Um, but I look back because I remember I was in a Calgary hotel room at the beginning of the year and we were talking about your shit. We you were you were going after me about this whole charter thing, but I listened to the whole episode. I was doing my research chat. Uh, um, and I'm listening to the whole episode, and I never said it on there. So and then I asked Kenny, well, what like where the hell did I actually say this? He's like, Well, maybe you said it on Winnipeg Sports Talk. And so I looked back, I couldn't find it. It doesn't matter. But my point I, pro I probably I probably didn't uh, uh, properly reflect no. what you were saying, but I will say this. You did bring big man and the ultimate big man into the conversation, and that is a way of comparing the two players. And I will say this. If I were a GM, I would say to my scouts, every time they came to me and said, we've got this guy. He's six foot eight. He could be the next. I would stop them, and I would say, keep the Dino Chara's name out, Joe. You know, because I hate it. I hate the Kyle McLaren was a tall player. Uh, there's a there's a ton of really really big tall players. Yep played the game before that you can co compare players like that to Zidino Chara is hands down the best by far. And he's the best for a number of reasons. One, he's probably the toughest, if not for sure, top five toughest guys to play in, in his era. The thing about him, I saw him in junior fight guys. It was not fair. It was slaughter. This oh, is yeah. a guy who is legendarily tough. Okay. Hey, we saw we saw Logan Stanley fight Keegan Colasar, who's a tough, tough guy. And we saw Keegan Colasar leave that fight and give a little bit of a head shake. So Logan Stanley is a tough guy. Zadino Chara is like tell your grandkids' grandkids story about how tough he was, right? Never mind the yeah. fact that he had the hardest shot of a generation. One of the toughest, if not the toughest players of the generation. Also one of the best shots. Also had smarts to play the game really well, really used his stick well, had a mean streak to him. But I think maybe the most important thing about this, I still remember my very first year out of journalism school. I was working at sports and I was highlights. It was the year that um, uh, uh, Ottawa lost out and it was like a really disappointing lose out in the first round. And one of the things that really hit at home was a player walked Zadino Chara low, walked right around and came in front of the net and scored. And that's what cost Ottawa Zadino Chara because it was that happened. They were embarrassed by it and they sent Chara down the road to Boston rather than letting yeah. Red which was the biggest mistake they could have made. But Chara learned from that and got better to the point that he was the leader of a Stanley Cup team. His leadership, if you ask around, is beyond reproach. This oh, guy yeah. is so if you take a look at all the boxes that are ticked, I don't care if he's six foot nine or six foot eight, whatever he is, he ticked a ton of boxes for a hockey yep. player that makes the guy a good player. Also, he's six foot eight. So my thing about this, and I do, I'm fairly certain I said this at the time. It is not fair to Logan Stanley to compare him to a player like Zadino Chara because there's. No, I'll, I'll say it right now, ladies and gentlemen. I don't care how many six foot eight players, six foot nine players walk into the league. There will never be another Zadino Chara. There needs to be a different comparison. That name cannot come out when you're talking about a six foot eight prospect. And, and I don't disagree with you, but I think that's always what the GMs are thinking, right? Because sure. here's the thing. The other thing about 
Zidane Ochara was he started slower, right? I mean, it took him till he got to Boston to really blossom into what exactly what you were talking about, right? Um, and so <laughs> when, when, when he got to Boston, right, that's when his game started to really evolve. Um, I, we, you know, I, I think the Islanders gave up on him too quickly. Um, and then obviously the, 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 it was a more of a knee jerk reaction. Like you, you know, you alluded to in Ottawa there. Um, Terrible reaction. I remember at the time saying sure. they made a massive mistake and you know, maybe not so much in, in the Islanders thing. Cause the Islanders moved him to get Alexa Yashin, right? Sure. That was, that was a guy who was, best guy of an Islanders generation that was trying to get back to being a competitive yeah. team. And he made them somewhat competitive. So that was definitely, we're bargaining our future for the present. Yashin was a stud. Yeah. But I, I, you know, I think you saw this with Buffalo when they took Tyler Myers, right? Uh, Tyler Myers goes on and wins the Calder and you're like, holy, holy crap, you're going to have a guy here that could be the next Chara, right? Because yeah. again, tall, um, offensive minded, quick with the puck. But then, you know, and I think the, the biggest thing, and you, you talked about it, was how tough and, and, and just how healthy he's always been, right? And I think, like, Zidane Chara is, the, like, the, like, the epitome of fitness in the NHL. Like, I mean, oh, yeah. you don't play till you're 40, whatever he is, 44 or whatever, at that size because guys that big break down. And I think there's, we saw a lot, some of those years with Tyler Myers here um, where, it was starting to, you know, just the game was catching up with him, um, you know, and so, but, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I'm, I, I don't, if I'm, if I said it, I didn't mean it that way. I just meant that when you're, when, when, when you're looking at a guy that, that, that tall, who are the comparables? And there's not many, right? Because I mean, I mean, how many guys are six, seven, six, eight, six, nine in this league? Um, that have played D and have been as good as Chara. And I think so that's the one that you're always shooting for. Right. And you're hoping when you draft a guy like that, that you're going to get, even if you got half of that, you have a pretty good career. Um, I but mean, at the same time, I mean, like, those guys have to work harder than anybody else because the game is just, it, it. I mean, you watch Chara play. Sometimes you're like, and this guy moves a lot better than what you'd think for a guy that's 6'9 on the ice. And, and you know, that was always his thing. Zidane Chara always got better. And, um, you know, has Logan Stanley always been given the, the best opportunity here? I don't know. But I'm not always sure either that he's kind of learned from his, uh, you know, mishaps and misfortunes and stuff like that the same way. So, anyways, it, you know, it hasn't worked out for Logan yet. Will it? I don't know. Chara's a long way off. Probably not going to reach that sort of thing. So, uh, but, yeah, um, hopefully that clears the air with a – everybody had that i wanted to make sure i i hope i didn't want to be representing you in no no i think it's hilarious actually so um you know we should, uh, if you're interested in joining us tomorrow scotty we'd love to have you and then we could throw sure. up some uh like we did last year and throw up um our our playoff predictions uh yeah, and we'll i want to just address this one here quickly bad mood blake and i know people are weighing in on this asks bufflin versus chara who wins this chara. is not a close comparison go through their fights that you've seen them in the nhl watch what one person does to others watch what the other ones said you go look at bufflin i'm not saying bufflin's not an insanely tough guy but if you're going to look and try and find fights where bufflin grabbed and absolutely ragdolled and destroyed yeah. guys 
doesn't happen. He's not much of a thrower. He's more of a wrestler. Chara yeah. can wrestle. His dad was an Olympic Greco-Roman wrestler, but he can throw bombs. This is not a comparison. This would be uh, – th th there is no indication from either of their fighting histories in their time in the NHL that this is a question. Uh, this is like a, a straight-up nod to Zadino Chara yeah. here. Let's shut her down here, Scotty. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm going to work like crazy to see if I can't get something put together for your song. Uh, great that it finally came. We really appreciate you and all the times you've been here. I know it's not our last yeah. time because we're going to see it tomorrow, but I just wanted to make it really clear. We appreciate your time. Absolutely love it when it, we have you on, as does the chat room. Uh, they make that clear every time. Last thing before we go, let's just give a shout out. If you're interested in going to check out some Kenny and Rennie merchandise, go to www.shopsportsnet.store. Check it out. T-shirts, mugs, water bottles. We're going to have more coming if we can keep it going. And lastly, to the chat, once again, you brought it as you always did. Really appreciate it. This was uh, yeah. like like uh, Scotty said, uh, bombs dropped in in uh, in that post game, and you 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 in the chat room were all over it. Good job. Uh, thank you, everybody. We will see you tomorrow as we break down uh, the comments of one Kevin Chevel Dayoff. Thank you, everybody. <laughs>